You have a president that signs executive orders because he can't get anything done. Oh, uh, yeah, sounds familiar. Why did I? I got the feeling that something right. Oh, that's why. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara, 93.7 FM in San Diego, 99.5 FM in Ridgecrest and China Lake, California. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast, 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. On Lancaster, Pennsylvania's 92.9 FM WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's 88.5 FM KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN 94.1 Palinville, New York's 102.9 FM WLPP, uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, WPRR, and in Minneapolis, St. Paul on uh, the great AM 950. We're also heard streaming coast to coast and around the globe every day, five days a week on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today. Boy, it has been uh, it has been quite a week, and I will tell you, today, after a brief respite, for a few days here and there over Congress's two-week-long Easter recess. Today, the fire hose of news from D.C. seems to be back on full blast with Congress back in session, Donald Trump trying to come up with something, anything, to make it appear as if he has accomplished anything more than, you know, causing chaos and unproductive havoc and either blocked executive orders or completely aspirational ones that have little to do, you know, with with anything more than a, a review this or review that in his first hundred days as president. He's been able to, to pass no major legislation to date other than stuff like making it easier for mentally ill people to purchase firearms. But boy, is he trying to make it look like he's done a lot of stuff in his first hundred days. That benchmark, that 100-day benchmark, strikes this Saturday. Uh, Lawmakers must also, by that day, find a way to agree to fund the federal budget or face a shutdown of the federal government for the first time in U.S. history when you have both Congress and White House and the White House in control of the same party. So today we we have... um, We've got a couple of things uh, that are just uh, coming in via this fire hose. We've got a new initiative for a major tax reform plan that the Treasury Department has announced. It doesn't actually take effect, but it sounds as if they are doing something on taxes. That plan would uh, would cut tax rates for corporations and individuals, mostly wealthy individuals, and it would blow a $600 billion hole in the deficit as it includes no actual way to pay for those uh, for those cuts. 
In the U.S. House, Republicans have announced a new amendment to their failed health care plan that will make it easier to deny health care for uh, for sick, uh, for sicker people and for older people. That's the amendment. But they appear to have exempted Congress members and their staffers from the effects of that new amendment. So more on both of those stories, I suspect, in upcoming broadcasts, no doubt, Uh, maybe even today, depending on what you all would like to talk to. I want to try to open the phones today. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. If you're listening live in our Southern California area or anywhere else, 818-985-5735. We're going to talk about war and Syria as we have been talking about for the last couple of days. uh, And I want to get your thoughts on that because I've been getting a lot of uh, a lot of emails uh, based on my interview with uh, MIT professor emeritus uh, Theodore Postal earlier this week, who is uh, questioning in a number of analyses the uh, the White House's claims about that uh, chemical attack alleged to have been carried out by Syria. So we're going to get to that in a moment. Uh, well, also, uh, GNR, uh, the uh, Green News Report, and Desi Doyen will have our latest in a bit. Uh, Desi Doyen, hello. Yes, I am here. <laughs> I know you are, barely. Yep. Uh, most uh, We have mostly encouraging news in the Green News Report today for a change. Yes. That's yes. odd. I know. I don't know how that happened. Uh, in the meantime, i got a big march coming up, another big march uh, for climate this Saturday. That'll fix it. Yeah, that's well, you know, hey, people have to come out and they have to show that they want and stand up for climate action because that's what the People's Climate March is about. It's uh, here in Los Angeles. There will be satellite marches in downtown Los Angeles and satellite marches around the country and also around the world for April 29th. That's Saturday. It's set for the 100th day of the Trump administration. So this, uh, like the March for Science last Saturday, is, is meant to be a worldwide event. Yes. Even though uh, it's coming from the U.S. because we got a climate science denier as president. We're the only major democracy uh, that focuses on denying climate science and also rolling back environmental protections that that are actually going to make it very difficult for the United States to now meet its targets that it pledged under the United Nations Paris Agreement that we signed last year with 192 countries. Oh, there's that. Yeah. So so this is extremely important. It doesn't matter what we do with uh, the rest of the world. It doesn't matter anymore. Trump has been so desperate to distract from his, uh, so far anyway, a largely failed record in the first hundred days that he even took to Twitter yesterday morning to seemingly threaten Canada. Yes, Canada. He tweeted, uh, Canada has made business for our dairy farmers in Wisconsin and other border states very difficult. We will not stand for this. He went after Canada. Really? We're, now we're playing hardball with Canada. We really need to build a, a wall along the Canadian border. We can build it out of delicious Wisconsin cheese, but we not we have to build that uh, we have to build that border wall. Brian Class, author and uh, former campaign advisor, tweeted in response to uh, to Trump: "There is no part of Wisconsin that is on an international border. The president of the United States should probably know that." Well, that's true. Uh, for the record, thirteen U.S. states are located on the Canadian border. Wisconsin is not among them. 
So what is that? What is all that about? Well, apparently, President uh, Trump uh, is now taking on his next international challenge by retaliating against Canada, whose leaders have apparently, quote, outsmarted U.S. politicians for years. The U.S. Commerce Department announced this week that the Trump administration will impose new tariffs on softwood lumber imports from Canada. Uh, Trump uh, said during a White House roundtable with farmers uh, yesterday that people don't realize Canada has been very rough on the United States. Everyone thinks of Canada as being wonderful, and so do I. I love Canada, but they've outsmarted our politicians for many years says the president of the United States. Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said on Tuesday that his country's economic connection to the U.S. is, quote, not just a one-way relationship. There are millions of good U.S. jobs that depend on the smooth flow of goods, services, and people back and forth across our border. He said, you cannot thicken this border without hurting people on both sides of it. Uh, the Washington Examiner, which is a right-leaning uh, so-called conservative news outlet, said, Oh, hooray! War with Canada! President Trump is accusing Canada of letting its timber industries pay what he considers excessively low royalties to cut down Canadian trees. This means Canadian lumber companies can sell soft wood for lower prices to American industries, which will hurt American lumber companies. Well, that sounds familiar. Uh, Desi Doyen, don't we uh, have really low royalties on things like coal and oil and gas on public lands so that our fossil fuel companies can can sell those uh, oh, natural sure. resources yeah, it's for not just, cheaper than the yeah, rest of the world? These are, remember, the public's natural resources <clears throat> that are extracted from the public's public lands, and that that's, there's a special special loopholes for the fossil fuel industry, the logging industry, the mining industry, especially the coal mining industry, that makes it so they don't have to pay what would be market rate royalties, and that undercuts uh, competition from other countries. Washington Examiner goes on to say that Trump has imposed a retroactive, punitive 20 percent tariff on imports of Canadian softwood lumber. Uh, their editorial notes that Trump is trying to protect an industry that employs a fraction of the workers of the construction industry, which would benefit from the cheap lumber. They write, this is not a recipe. <clears throat> this is not a recipe for putting America first or making it great again. Nor is it wise to poison the well when dealing with America's second largest and most polite trading partner. Uh, the paper notes that uh, Trump is upset uh, because of these uh, excessively low royalties. Now, apparently Democrats, at least uh, Chuck Schumer, supports uh, Trump's move here. Schumer retweeted uh, President Trump's warning to Canada that, uh, that he plans to impose a tax on imports of specialized milk along with timber. Schumer added, uh, been fighting for New York dairy farmers on this. Glad to see uh, POTUS joining our fight to change Canada's unfair policy that undercuts our farmers. Well, now uh, we'll learn more about that, uh, about all of this and if it actually makes sense. But, uh, but hey, let's, let's air it all out on Twitter because who doesn't like a good war? Whether it's a trade war or an actual war, especially at a time when, hey, who needs allies? Let's beat up our best friends uh, on Twitter, too. Speaking of war, as I noted, over the last couple of days on, uh, on the broadcast, we have been covering and asking questions about what the, uh, what the U.S. corporate media, frankly, left, right and center 
seems completely incapable or unwilling or uninterested in covering. And that's the alleged chemical attack in Syria on April 4. That resulted in uh, Donald Trump launching a cruise missile attack against an airbase in the sovereign nation just two days later on April 6. That before any independent investigation of the incident of the attack said to have been carried out by the Assad government against civilians in this uh, rebel-held province uh, of uh, Idlib in Syria, seen by the world in these horrific videotaped uh, images. It was also before Congress had a chance to debate whether we should go to war against yet another Middle East country. The missile attack was uh, was with, without constitutional authorization by Congress. It may have been in violation of international law as well as violation of the uh, War Powers Act here in the U.S., if you believe in those sorts of things. At the same time, uh, Syria and its Russian allies have insisted that Assad had nothing to do with the attack. And an MIT professor... Uh, Theodore Postal, as I mentioned, professor emeritus of science, technology, national security policy, and a former science advisor to the naval operations chief at the Pentagon. Postal has questioned the White House claims and their evidence. That evidence, by the way, was issued after the rocket attack against Syria. Uh, he's questioned the, the White House claims about the, uh, about the chemical incident. Postal was our guest on the broadcast earlier this week, and uh, we discussed his so far four different reports. Actually, he sent me another one today via email. Maybe I'll get to it. Um, charging that the White House report itself, the report that they put out several days after the bombing, not a report I should note from the U.S. intelligence uh, community, by the way, but from the White House. He says that it cannot possibly be accurate. The evidence that they uh, put forward cannot possibly be accurate. And in any case, that evidence does not point to who did or didn't uh, launch this chemical attack. Professor Postal has a long track record of questioning U.S. government claims including the effectiveness of the, uh, remember the Patriot missiles said to have stopped uh, Iraqi Scud missiles back in the first Gulf War? Well, his claims were vindicated on that. He said that, no, these, uh, uh, these Patriot missiles did not stop these Scud missiles. And yet he told me he's astounded that the mainstream U.S. corporate media has failed to cover any of his analysis this time uh, on Syria. They did cover them back in 2013, uh, when he questioned uh, the claims made by the Obama administration. But they haven't covered them at all, if only to debunk them. He hasn't covered it. Here's a minute or so from my interview with uh, Theodore Postal earlier this week. It's very disturbing to see how uh, uncritical the mainstream press has been of this uh, matter. I, I actually, uh, I wasn't totally surprised, but I think the, to the, the extent to which this is being ignored, and I, I, I should say ignored because uh, I have sent these things to people I have uh, who know me well mm -hmm. from the New York Times and from television public broadcasting system, and um, uh, you don't even get a call from a junior staff person to question uh, your uh, analysis. So from my point of view, this may be the most serious event with regard to American democracy that uh, from this whole incident, because the only way the American uh, democracy is, can function 
is if the press performs the role of providing accurate information and also providing, uh, uh, raising questions if those questions deserve to be looked at. And there's no question here that uh, the questions deserve to be looked at. That was uh, Professor Theodore Postal on the broadcast a a day or two ago. A few more specifics on just some of the reasons that uh, Postal has pointed out uh, that lead him to believe in in any event that the White House explanation for what happened and why we are now at war with Syria as well as well also against the rebels and the terrorists who are fighting against Assad. We're 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 at war with with both sides of that years long civil war in uh, in Syria. So uh, just a few more uh, reasons why he believes uh, the claims made by the White House cannot possibly be true. If there was a munition dropped mm-hmm. that was a, a, a chemical dispensing munition, Mm -hmm. you would see certain kinds of debris around from the munition itself. The munition would be some kind of canister, and the canister would be designed to either spray out the the sarin agent or, or maybe a small, it might have a small explosive charge in it to rupture the container to create uh, an aerosol, you know, tiny particles of Mm -hmm. droplets in the air. There's no no uh, material of any kind on the ground to suggest this. And this is very different from what uh, my colleague uh, Richard uh, Lloyd and I found when we analyzed the, uh, uh, the nerve agent attack in Damascus on uh, August 21, 2013. Mm-hmm. In fact, we were the first to identify how that munition worked. We reported it to the New York Times who at that time, I guess, considered uh, considered my work uh, worthy of reporting, and uh, no longer does, it seems. Uh, and, um, and the New York Times published a significant article on that munition. Two weeks later, the U.N. went got a team into the area, and they confirmed exactly what we found. So we had told them two weeks before what the munition looked like. So, uh, you know, so I have some kind of a record here right. understanding what I'm looking at. Now, you can get that entire interview with uh, with Ted Postal at bradblog.com or your, your favorite uh, podcast site or here at kpfk.org in the archives. Now, uh, here's the thing. I have no idea what actually happened. There's been no independent investigation so far of what has happened, but we, we've already gone to war over it. Now I've received a, a lot of uh, a lot of interesting responses following that interview, and and maybe I'll share some of that with you in a bit. Uh, if you'd like to share your thoughts on what we are doing in Syria or or what actually happened there, uh, feel free to give me a call 818-985-5735. 818-985-5735. I also spoke with Robert Perry of Consortium News uh, yesterday on the broadcast about Postal's questions and about the fact that the mainstream U.S. media seems unwilling to even discuss any alternative explanation for the incident, despite uh, questions about the evidence that has been presented by the White House. Despite claims made by Syria and uh, and Russia that uh, the, all the chemical weapons are gone, that it couldn't, that they had nothing to do with this, 
after all, since Russia joined forces with the with Assad uh, to fight the war in Syria, uh, Syria has been making great advances. Why why would they invoke international outrage by using banned chemical weapons? That's something else that needs to be discussed and explained. Perry spent uh, Robert Perry uh, spent years exposing the Iran Contra scandal in the 1980s with the Associated Press. He told me why uh, why he thinks uh, that the questions raised by Postal are not even being reported. As I said, even to be debunked, they are not being reported. Uh, here was his explanation for why that happened. For the first uh, you know two months or so of his presidency. Everything he said was put under a microscope and often laughed at, mm-hmm. and, and, and often rightly so. Uh, he claimed that his his inaugural crowds were bigger than Obama's when they clearly weren't. You know, he, he's gone on about how he, he won the popular vote when he clearly lost it. And so, so there's been this attitude that this guy's not to be trusted on anything he says, yet he immediately jumps to a conclusion mm-hmm. uh, way before there could have been any serious intelligence ana- uh, anal- analysis mm-hmm. of it that uh, that Assad was responsible for this uh, this incident uh, and the mainstream media completely flipped around and and just rallied to his position and and then refused to listen to any alternative points of view on this uh, what we're seeing is a very strange situation where the the, the, na- the the national press corps is putting its hatred of Assad and its desire for regime change in Syria, uh, even above its contempt for Donald Trump and all his lies. That was actually not the clip I meant to play, but that was Robert Perry talking about the same thing. The one I had hoped to play was, uh, I think what explains it is that there is a desire to, first of all, be considered patriotic and supporting the U.S. in these foreign situations. He says, there's a tremendous downside to your career if you ask too many questions. He said, I even saw that back in the 80s. It was always a struggle to get the stories that became the Iran-Contra scandal out because there was a lot of resistance from my senior people, he says, at the Associated Press, some of whom uh, were World War II veteran types, and they didn't want to see their journalists undermining President Reagan, who they liked a lot. So... He says there's a certain amount of careerism and journalists, like most bureaucrats, don't want to lose their job. So, as I said, I don't know what the truth is, uh, but the U.S. bombing is apparently so popular in the uh, in the U.S., not just amongst the media, but among the uh, the populace itself, people who who oppose Trump for some reason are in favor of the fact that we have bombed Syria without any evidence to support the reason for the bombing uh, without congressional authorization, without any strategy on what the hell to do next or why we did it in the the first place. That is so successful and so beloved, apparently, by the U.S. that the White House is now calling the strategy the Trump Doctrine. No, really. Uh, according to The Hill, the president, uh, the president's decision to launch cruise missiles at Syria in response to a deadly chemical weapons attack was part of a new Trump doctrine governing his foreign policy. White House Chief of Staff Reince Priebus uh, said this on Tuesday. Priebus said that uh, that uh, that set of beliefs of Donald Trump's, whatever they are, is, quote, reshaping our position in the world while guiding Trump's recent moves on China 
and the fight against terrorism. The president is really, quote, really establishing, I think, a Trump doctrine in some certain lines of where we're not going to allow people like Assad to go. But at the same time, making it clear that we're not interested in long term ground wars in the Middle East. The president's decision to launch cruise missiles at a Syrian airbase has earned praise from the foreign policy establishment in Washington and the general public, the Hill notes. But it marked an about face from his previous stance that the U.S. should not involve itself in Syria's six year long civil war. A senior administration official who requested anonymity to explain the comments said Trump still believes in his America first mantra from the campaign. But the official said Trump, quote, loves people and knows that there are certain things that some people do that are unacceptable, like the nerve gas in Syria. But do we know that uh, Syria was responsible for it? The White House says yes. The evidence they offer for it is contradicted in a whole bunch of different ways, at least according to uh, that MIT rocket scientist Postal, who has uh, yet to be debunked, at least to my knowledge. Today, we've got news from France that says uh, that the chemical analysis of samples taken from a deadly sarin gas attack in Syria earlier this month bears the signature of President Bashar Assad's government and shows that it was responsible. France's foreign minister said that uh, France came to this conclusion after comparing samples from a 2013 sarin attack in Syria that matched the new ones. Now, that 2013 attack you heard uh, uh, Professor Postel talk, talking about, he had questions about that at the time, some of which were confirmed, as he noted, by the U.N. Russia, a close ally of Assad, promptly denounced the French report, saying that the samples and the fact the nerve agent was used are not enough to prove who was behind it. But the French foreign minister uh, knows, quote, from sure sources that the manufacturing process of the sarin was sampled, that was sampled, is typical of the method developed in Syrian laboratories. Russia says their position, even after the uh, report from France, is unchanged and that the only way to establish the truth about what happened is an impartial international investigation. Oh, there's an idea. Russia has uh, previously called for an international probe. Peskov, uh, their uh, Kremlin spokesman, uh, regrets that the Organization for the Prohibition of Chemical Weapons, the OPCW, has turned down a Syrian government invitation to visit the site of the attack and to investigate it. Uh, But whether France has it right, whether Russia has it right, whether the U.S. uh, White House has it right, why are we asking this question after we have already bombed? This seems to me, uh, you know, kind of insane. You know, while the U.S. media seems obsessed with uh, domestic policy, which is very important, uh, domestic policy changes, uh, however, as politicians come and go. It's, you know, its effects can hurt many people. But, you know, foreign policy and wars last forever. Uh, I mean, look at how we are still dealing with the lies about uh, going into the war in Iraq. The, the war that's being fought right now in Syria is a direct result of what we did in Iraq. We're still dealing with the war in Afghanistan some 15 years later. Moreover, I would say President Obama used the powers granted to George W. Bush 
to involve us in more military actions across the globe. He, he used those powers, uh, the Bush's expanded executive powers, you know, that were claimed by Bush. Obama took them as his own. And now Trump is expanding on all of that, launching new wars on sovereign nations without any constitutional authorization from Congress whatsoever. And there's no questions about it, no discussions about it, no debate about it. No coverage of, uh, you know, Theodore Postal, his 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 claims, uh, you know, a guy with a good long track record to even bring him on to show where he's got it wrong. Shouldn't we be doing that? It seems to me that both Congress and the U.S. media have just abandoned their roles as watchdogs and gatekeepers on this kind of thing. They're now cheerleaders for this for military action against Syria, both Republicans and Democrats, by the way, military action against North Korea, which could result in a confrontation with a nuclear armed nation. So could our uh, our, our, our war in Syria, where the Russians are are now concerned uh, and, and taking extra precautions against the possibility of being hit uh, in a U.S. attack. All of this without any public debate, without any congressional debate, all of which could very easily turn into a worldwide conflagration in a second. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody is debating it. Is this how we do this now? Shoot first, ask questions later. Apparently so. Does it trouble you? It troubles me, which is why we've been trying to talk about it, to just talk about it. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. 818-985-KPFK. I'll take a quick break and come back with uh, with some of your calls and uh, and some of the got a ton of comments and email pouring in as I've been covering this this week. Uh, you can also find us on the Facebooks and the Twitters. If you want to uh, share a thought there, I am the Brad blog on the Twitters. I can't watch Facebook as well, but I will watch the, twi- the, the, the Twitters and take your calls at 818-985-5735. We will take a quick break and come back with much more on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. Given the outcome of the 2016 election, we really need your support now more than ever. Progressive media outlets have been under attack for years, even during supposedly progressive administrations. We are now facing a whole new world and real alternatives to the mainstream corporate media. You know, the folks who got it all wrong from the jump must be able to continue the fight for all of us. This is not a drill. It never was. Please consider a donation to our work here on the Bradcast by stopping by bradblog.com donate to help out however you can. A monthly pledge is greatly appreciated, but anything you can share will keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is serving you. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to keep up the resistance, now more than ever. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you.
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Our phone number is 818-985-KPFK. If you'd like to, uh, to ring in on this. Questions about what happened in Syria, uh, what we did in Syria, what Syria is alleged to have done in Syria with that chemical attack, and the fact that uh, the mainstream court, well, not, not just the mainstream media. As I said, main, the media, right, left, and center, uh, have just, they don't want to talk about it. It's a done deal. This is what Assad did. He's a bad guy. Uh, and he is not a good guy, by the way. I'm not making that argument, but, they, you know, we don't like him. Therefore, he this chemical attack, he did it no matter how little sense it may have made. Now, there have been, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of response to my uh, interview with Theodore Postal. Um, a lot of it over at Daily Coast, where we also post the, uh, the broadcast every day. Uh, there were a number of ad hominem attacks on Postal, uh, but really nobody had any response to debunk his scientific claims about the inaccuracies that he claims he finds in the White House report, which is not an intelligence report, but a White House report uh, claiming that Assad was behind the uh, this chemical attack on April 4. Uh, but offering no evidence that it was, in fact, Assad. Fish Troller over at Daily Coast said, It made no sense to me that Assad would order an attack like this at a time when he had just reclaimed Aleppo and had Trump in a position of backing off on U.S. pressure. That's true. Just days earlier, Trump said, uh, you know, this is going to be left to the uh, Syrian people. We're going to stay out of it. Fish Troller went on to say many of the terrorist groups in the area are in possession of chemical weapons that have <clears throat> that they have gathered over the years from various sources. So why would we not explore the possibility that such a group manipulated the scene to appear that Assad did this in order to put Assad on the hot seat with the U.S. and the world? Could it be that at a time of Assad uh, having things going his way, we wanted an excuse to bomb his country? Well, that's Fish Troller at Daily Coast. It, it certainly has been the one thing that both Republicans and Democrats in Congress seem to agree on when it comes to Donald Trump. In Congress and in the American public, they all support Donald Trump on this one. Should they? Uh, let's go to, uh, let's take some calls. 818-985-5735. I've got some more reader response, I'll, listener response I'll get to in a second, but let's go to Bob in Covina. Hey, Bob, welcome to the broadcast. What's on your mind, sir? Well, I just wanted to thank you for uh, all of your thoughts, and you seem to have articulated everything very well. But what strikes me in all of this is that we are, it's like deja vu. We're doing the exact same thing that we did when we went into Iraq. And what also is, you know, in the back of my mind through all of this is the document that was written in 1999 by the Project for a New American Century. It was called Rebuilding America's Defense Strategies. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, this all seems to be playing right into that narrative in that document. Um, everything that we've done in the Middle East since then has just seemed like they've been using that as a game book. And yeah. I just, uh, it concerns me to no end. And the fact that our media and everybody it seems to be just going along with it. It's just, it's, it's dumbfounding. It, 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 thanks, Bob. Yeah, it, it is. It is dumbfounding. It is dumbfounding to me that there are just, uh, that we're not asking questions 
about it, that we're not we don't demand evidence before we go to war anymore. 818-985-5735. We don't demand evidence and we don't demand uh, congressional authorization. At least there was congressional authorization given to George W. Bush to go into Afghanistan and Iraq. Whether he lied about the evidence to uh, to get that authorization or not, at least it was done in something resembling a constitutional manner. Over at Daily Coast, Dumbo writes, Dumbo is uh, the username, haven't ISIS and al-Nusra, which is an al-Qaeda uh, variant in, uh, in this part of Syria, haven't they both used chemical weapons against their enemies? Is it possible that some of their own chemical weapons were hit and spilled? That's what Russia is essentially claiming. Uh, Dumbo says, I don't know what happened. It seems reasonable that if Assad had done it before, he could do it again. But it seems very little time was spent on getting confirmation. Trump got to look good like the big man and Democratic hawks rushed to praise his action almost immediately. We've had more time now, and I'm a bit bothered by how even now nobody has tried to confirm the allegation. Ellie May says it is very unfortunate that these types of horrific tragedies serve as a catalyst to further the warmongering without evidence of who instigated the tragedy or carried it out. Even more frustrating is the instigation for the Syrian conflict. Doesn't matter. It's not discussed or report reported. Uh, she adds, many are led to believe it's a holy war. No war is holy. What is left out is the prize, the prize being who will obtain access to the land to pipeline gas and oil through Syria to Europe. One more here from Daily Coast. Uh, Fathead Joe says, not to mention there are multiple state parties with an interest in regime change in Syria who are fully capable of supplying rebel groups with chemical weapons. The speed at which a consensus formed in implicating Assad and the hostility towards skeptics of that narrative, like Congresswoman uh, Tulsi Gabbard, former Congressman uh, Dennis Kucinich, uh, the hostility towards them has all been uh, pretty troubling. Uh, one more, 818-985-5735. One more uh, email uh, from Nick C. to uh, me at bradcast at bradblog.com. You can send me email as well. Uh, hi, Brad. I'm listening to your uh, uh, April 24 show right now. I want to thank you profusely for covering this subject, both playing the BBC interview, which I didn't get to play with the former British ambassador to Syria, who's asking these same questions. At least the BBC allowed him on to ask those questions. He says almost no one else in America anywhere seems to have the guts to talk about this. Even Amy Goodman is hesitant from uh, Pacifica Radio's Democracy Now! Nick says we are in an extremely dangerous situation, and I appreciate you talking about this in a rational, measured way. I thought it highly strange that right after the missile strike, one of the only prominent voices in the media, right or left, to strongly condemn Trump was Michael Savage. Michael Savage, now the voice of reason and peace, he says. That is how bizarre our situation is now. He says, I would rather listen to you. So thanks for having the courage to go where even other progressives won't go. All righty, then. Uh, let's uh, let's go to, uh, oh, it's our old friend Morris in Long Beach. Hey, Morris, welcome to the broadcast, sir. 
Brad, we got 5,000 radio stations in this country, 1,500 newspapers, and 1,100 magazines. And all of them are owned and operated by six different corporate sources. So if you've got one of those guys as your source of information, information, you don't know anything. And praise God for your program and KPFK. And let Desi Dorian know that Donald Trump <laughs> has turned the country over to me. I got fast track. I have uh, nationalized the fossil fuel industry. Everybody's <laughs> got universal, uh, universal health care. And everybody's got to sign a non-nuclear proliferation treaty. All right, here we go. Thank you, Morris. We will uh, we will run it all through you. Did you get that, Des? That was a message to you. Morris Mo is now in control. Yes, so, I'm, I'm in all case for you're it. That'll work for me. All right, very good. Uh, let me go to uh, Tim in L.A. Hey, Tim, welcome to the broadcast. What's up? Yeah, hi. Last week on the Jerry Quickly Show, which follows yours uh, five days a week on KPFK, yep. you had Scott Litter on the program over there. Now, I've not heard any mention by you or by the, the program after his uh, background briefing. Don't seem to know about this interview because Scott Ritter, who was a weapons inspector, was screaming to George W. Bush and, and Cheney that there are no weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. They don't exist. And he's also a Marine, Marine, ex-Marine officer. He is trained in chemical weapons, and he says flat out that that is not sarin. If that were sarin, he says the people handling those victims of that attack would be dead. He says that is not sarin, and he's an expert on that. But I've not heard, heard any mention of that anywhere else except Yep. Except from Scott Ritter. You might want to see if you can, next, maybe next Wednesday, see if you can get Scott Ritter on and see what he has to say. And is Saren, by the way, it's be interesting, is it a liquid or is it a powder? If it's a powder, it would be likely to, to, to be on the victims for some time. If it's a liquid, then it may evaporate and it may be gone. I don't know. But he says flat out, anybody handling a sarin victim in that way without a hazmat suit would be dead. And I suspect this is, uh, thanks, Tim. Uh, and by the way, we're on five days a week. Uh, but uh, the but not, 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 here not always uh, live in K, uh, on KPFK. You are correct. The uh, I, I suspect uh, Ritter may have been referencing Postal's uh, analyses on this. Um, because, yeah, he pointed out that you've got this uh, crater where the uh, munition was supposedly dropped from a plane that the White House has identified as the crater from where the sarin was uh, supposedly dispersed, and you've got people sitting in in the crater the next day uh, without protective clothing on, with just these honeycomb masks. He, he uh, talked about that in his report. So I don't know if Scott Ritter was uh, referring to Postal's work or whether this was uh, separate analyses of his, uh, of his own. But I'm glad to hear that uh, Jerry was talking about it. Um, and again, I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. We don't know who's got it right, right or wrong here. But it seems like it should be discussed. It seems like the evidence uh, should be examined. Postal uh, wrote me again uh, this morning, said, I've been examining the possibility that the attack on April 4, 2017, hit an ammo dump as claimed by the Russians. Video taken on the morning of the attack of the explosive debris cloud from four targets that were hit provides strong circumstantial evidence that this Russian explanation could be true. He says this is consistent with the possibility that this debris cloud was created by an initial explosion followed by a series of secondary explosions, a situation that would be expected if the site was, in fact, an ammunition dump. 
Uh, he also uh, included an, a new analysis of photos from victims of the Bhopal, India chemical attack in 1984, which he says uh, show that uh, the victims there seem to uh, show similar symptoms to the uh, to those seen in the Kar Shakun incident on April 4 of this year, um, suggesting a chemical other than sarin may have been used. And then he uh, ends his uh, note by saying this is not proof that the Russian explanation for a mass poisoning is correct. But given that there is no evidence to support the American alternative explanation of a sarin release dropped from an airdropped uh, from an airdropped munition at a site identified by the White House intelligence report, this additional data does provide some information that is relevant to the ongoing discussions on this matter. 818-985-5735 is our phone number. Let me go to uh, let me go to uh, Tony in Los Angeles. Hey Tony, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Thank you. How are you, Brad? Uh, uh, I'm okay. I'm just a little disappointed with uh not a little as a matter of fact, I'm very disappointed with uh Democratic Party seems now they seem to be uh, on the Kool-Aid of uh, anti-Russia, and, you know, they don't really necessarily voice out their opinion regarding uh, Trump bombing, you know, Syria without uh, without in- investigation. It's just like they get going along to get along with the war machines, and it's very disappointing, you know? I do know. I do know, Tony. I, I appreciate uh, that thought. Uh, that's the problem. Uh, they go along to get along, uh, but not just that. They are actually supporting. They were lauding. They were lauding the uh, 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles that Donald Trump launched into Syria with no plan on what about what to do next. Now, uh, a lot of the uh, positive uh, email and and. Uh, comments and so forth that uh, have come in since uh, I started talking about this earlier in the week. Uh, A lot of positive ones, but not all. Uh, Warren D. Smith at bradblog.com in the comments said, I might have believed Assad might not be behind the attack, but Professor Postal lost all his chance at convincing me he wasn't a jackass when he titled one of his reports, The Nerve Agent Attack That Did Not Occur i.e. not only was it perhaps not Assad, he is claiming no attack with nerve gas occurred at all. Well, sorry, they've done chemical analyses and found sarin, so the very title of this report is refuted. Well, okay, a couple of points. Uh, As to the sarin, they have found, uh, I mentioned that uh, earlier, that uh, France has uh, found sarin. The uh, uh, OPCW uh, has uh, claimed they found sarin in three of the victims. They have not, as far as I know, as far as I know, gone uh, to the site said to have been where the chemical attack took place. But in any event, uh, if one actually bothers to read this report by Postal that uh, Warren Smith is citing, Postal says the nerve gas attack didn't occur as claimed by the White House. He says it does not rule out the possibility of a nerve agent release somewhere else in the city. But the specific evidence cited by the White House couldn't possibly have uh, been what actually took place. 
He says this completely discredits, this is Postal speaking, completely discredits the White House report's claims that they knew where the nerve agent release occurred and that they knew the nerve agent release was the result of an airdropped munition. And I asked Postal myself, you know, doesn't this mean even if it wasn't this crater, it could have happened in another way? Syria could have done it in another way? He says, yeah, absolutely. But that's not why we uh, sent 59 Tomahawk cruise missiles into Syria, at least if you believe the White House. And why shouldn't we believe the White House, particularly this White House? Good work. Good work, uh, uh, media. Marco in Redondo Beach, welcome to the broadcast, sir. Hello, Brad. How are you? I'm okay. What's up? Uh, I'm... Honestly, very terrified of uh, this uh, new yeah. administration with Trump being in charge of it because uh, there is a lot of connections between him and Russian uh, investments and uh, whatever it is. Uh, there was a, a, a story that I found, I read uh, about Blackwater that was representing uh, Trump yeah. uh, in a meeting uh, with the, uh, one of the uh, Arab Emirates and uh, Russian. And uh, whatever, and uh, the Blackwater uh, oh, uh, yeah. founder Mar- had uh, donated two hundred fifty thousand dollars to Trump, yep. and then Betsy DeVos, which is his sister, became uh, secretary of. Uh, uh, oh yeah. The, the, Marco, and I'm I'm only going to let you go. Well, for two reasons. One, I'm short on time, but uh, two, your your phone is uh, doing something uh, crazy there. But yeah, there's. I, I think you wanted to say that uh, this was meant to distract from the investigation into Trump and Russia. Uh, uh, maybe so. Um, it seems like the uh, Congress itself is doing a good job of distracting themselves from that uh, investigation, the Republicans there in any event. There are a lot of questions. There are a lot of things that should be investigated, certainly regarding uh, business interests of Trump uh, with Russia that he has not, uh, he has refused for. There is a reason he is refusing to release his taxes. Uh, So I'm all in favor of investigation of any and all of this. And that is exactly what I'm calling for in this case, an investigation by Congress, at least a debate by Congress about these issues. Um, And uh, it's very hard to make that happen. All right. uh, We got to. Yeah, I know. Oh, we got it. Oh, you got Margo. Okay, hang on. Let me get to very quickly. uh, Margo, we're running late. You're going to eat into the uh, Green News report time. So Desi will be mad at you. But uh, Margo, our former super duper uh, associate producer. How are you, Margo? I'm I'm good. I'm I'm enjoying Atlanta weather and studying for finals. But I, w- I, I was calling because you're talking about Syria, and I've always told you you should talk more about the Middle East. But but what I haven't really heard is any discussion of how this is all going to end, because the fact of the matter is, is that this war- these wars started under the Bush administration. They were expanded under Obama, who's a Democrat, and, you know, a so-called progressive. And now we have Donald Trump, who's kind of a megalomaniac, psychopath, I don't know what you want to call him, he's definitely unstable. So what is it going to take to attend this? I, I don't see a massive protest coming about. I don't see an anti-war movement coming about. 
I feel like this is just a perpetual state of war that the United States has entered, and there's no way out. So what are your thoughts, Brad? Uh, I have no time to tell you my thoughts, Margot, because <laughs> I have to go to the Green News Report. You know how the clock works here. Uh, but I, oh, uh, I I, you're absolutely right, and uh, that's why I, you know, that's why I'm asking these questions. Margot, i got I got to run. Uh, take care there in, uh, in Atlanta. Good luck with finals coming up, and thanks for uh, ringing us in here. I know we got to get to a break here. Let's do this. And we'll come back with Desi Doyen in the Green News Report. You've got a correction already for us, I think. You already got something wrong. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Okay, Desi Doyen, uh, your correction before or after the Green News Report? Uh, let's do it right now. All the right. People's Climate March in Los Angeles. I was wrong about this. It's not in downtown. It's actually going to be in Wilmington, which is near Los Angeles, because that is where the frontline communities are exposed to refinery pollution. So that's the People's Climate March on April 29th. That's Saturday. The march starts at 12 noon. And just go uh, go on the Googles and look up Climate March. You will People's exactly. Climate March. You will find a location in your hometown in these United States or anywhere around the world, I suspect. All right, let's get to it. Our latest Green News report. What do we want? Science! When do we want it? Now! The March for Science was a global success on seven continents. We've had close to 5,000 scientists contact us to say they wanted to run for office. What's next? Recruiting scientists to run for elected office. The planet hits a new milestone in rising CO2. Plus, for Britain, its own milestone. The first full day without coal since the 1880s. All of those encouraging stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Good evening. On this Saturday night, hundreds of thousands of people on six continents and throughout the United States came out in support of science. And by the Sunday morning news shows, they were all forgotten. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, tens of thousands of scientists and people supporting them came out all over the world over the weekend. Yes, they did. In fact, it was more than just tens, but we'll have more on that in a moment. First, a quick follow-up to a story in our last Green News report. After a swift public outcry, the U.S. Treasury Department has rejected oil giant ExxonMobil's request for an exemption from sanctions against Russia that bar the company from moving forward on its offshore drilling deal. Exxon request had attracted a lot of attention in the U.S. because the half-trillion-dollar deal was originally negotiated by then-Exxon CEO Rex Tillerson, who is now U.S. Secretary of State. Yeah, a lot of people presumed that uh, this was going to be it. They were going to lift those sanctions, at least as far as Exxon was concerned. 
but the administration continues to surprise us one way or another. Indeed they do. Also surprising, by all accounts, the March for Science on Earth Day was a global success. Climate change is my biggest concern. Science seems under attack. Now facts seem under attack. You can see that there's a lot of uh, hope and um, I think a little bit of fear, but uh, a lot of hope. Hundreds of thousands of people marched in the nation's capital and in more than 600 cities around the world to show their support for science and scientific research. And this was on all seven continents. Even scientists at research outposts at the North and South Poles sent their photos of their mini-marches. The nonpartisan march was to rally the public to defend science and its role in informing public policy in the face of the Trump administration's rollbacks of pollution protections, its denial of climate science, and its massive proposed cuts to scientific research and federal science agencies like the EPA and the National Institutes of Health. It's also notable that the March for Science was the top story on the broadcast networks, leading the nightly news on Saturday on CBS, ABC, and NBC. It's been 47 years since the first Earth Day. Today, it was observed around the world with a focus on science. Tens of thousands of scientists and their supporters taking to the streets. However, Media Matters for America notes that some networks still couldn't resist promoting false journalistic balance and provided a platform to climate science deniers in their reports. We're looking at you, CNN and CBS. <laughs> well, at least they covered it, at least on Saturday night after the marches uh, had happened. But by Sunday morning, as Media Matters also points out, all of these marches, hundreds of thousands of people, were completely ignored the next day on all of the Sunday news shows. Yep. And now the scientific community and environmentalists are gearing up for the People's Climate March on Saturday, April 29th. The Washington Post reports that the march's organizers are working on what's next, building on the momentum to create a science advocacy network to help scientists communicate their findings to the public and to help the public engage in science and speak up for science in policymaking. But one group is going further. 314 Action, named after the first three digits of Pi, is a new organization working to recruit scientists to run for office. In an interview with PBS NewsHour, founder Shaughnessy Naughton, a chemist turned congressional candidate, said politics needs more problem solvers. We really need uh, pro-science voices and people with scientific backgrounds to step up and get involved. We've had close to 5,000 scientists contact us to say they wanted to run for office. But as the people march, the planet just marched past another carbon dioxide milestone. Thanks to humans digging up and burning fossil fuels, the concentrations of heat-trapping CO2 in the atmosphere have topped 410 parts per million over the weekend for the first time in the history of our species. That's not good. Nope. The planet's surface has already warmed nearly a full degree Celsius since the first Earth Day in April 1970. But finally, some good news. On Friday, the day before Earth Day, Britain saw its first full day without burning coal for electricity for the first time since the Industrial Revolution began in the late 1880s. Greenpeace UK called it, quote, a watershed in the energy transition. No coal for the entire nation of Britain. Kind of amazing, wondering when the U.S. is going to even come close to anything like that feat. No coal, please. We're British. For much more on all of the stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, Check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Say you want a revolution, well, you know.
<laughs> Way to go, Britain. Much appreciated. My thanks to our producer, Desi Doyen, to our soundboard operator, G, and to you for spending a portion of, of uh, your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. Drop me email. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share me on the Facebooks and the Twitters at The Brad Blog. We will be back with you tomorrow. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. So-